Hello, my name is Lisa Deegan, and I'm joined today by my co-host, McFinn LeVere. Welcome to Stories and Innovation in ALS. We've both been affected by ALS, and we help co-found a nonprofit called Everything ALS, whose mission is to bring citizen-driven research that merges technology and science to help accelerate treatments for ALS. This podcast brings together stories of those affected and those who help accelerate treatments for this devastating disease. Today's episode, Nutrition Essentials for Pals, this shares Coco Newton's journey as a registered dietitian and certified nutrition specialist. Coco practices functional medicine nutrition therapy to address a broad range of health conditions, including ALS. Her therapeutic approach is scientifically based and holistic to help patients reach optimal health and vitality. Coco, thank you for being here today. We're so honored and we really appreciate you taking the time to share your detective work of uncovering the root causes and symptoms of medical conditions like ALS and guiding people towards optimal health. Wow. Thank you, Lisa and McFinn for inviting me. And I'm really happy to be here. And I was thrilled when I met McFinn back in 2019 at the ALS Healing ALS Conference in Salt Lake City. Mm -hmm. And his book and his story are, are truly groundbreaking, I think, for so many of us. And what you do and how you've uh, organized um, uh, it, 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 everything ALS is, is just such a service to the whole community. Mm. Uh, not only the pals, the cows, but the um, researchers out there and us clinicians. Mm. Thank well, you. Thank you, Coco, because it really takes, uh, what they say, a village to work on this. And so everybody gets a start somewhere. And I just want to know what got you started working with PALS and nutrition? Well, it definitely wasn't my plan. Uh, I was not headed in the direction of neurodegeneration even. Um, but what happened was about 10 years ago, I get this random referral from a physician to see one of his patients that happens to have ALS. And um, he wasn't a neurologist, he was this uh, patient's DO. And so uh, the patient called me and at first, I mean, I, it's gonna sound terrible, but I thought, is he on something? Cause his voice was altered and I didn't know why. And um, I was very honest with him. I said, you know, I don't even know anything about ALS. Yes, I've worked with MS and I've worked a little bit with Parkinson's, but I don't know anything about ALS and I don't think I can help you and I don't want to waste your time or your money and I don't want to give you false hope. Like first things first, you can do a whole lot better uh, with somebody else. And so he kept calling and he wanted to be in my practice because he couldn't find anybody else. And I kept saying, um, no, this isn't a good time. And frankly, I was deathly afraid. And I don't think that that's an inappropriate um, statement because I looked up ALS and I saw, oh, death. And I was afraid of, I mean, I'm just admitting this. I was afraid of having somebody come in my office and I start doing things that I don't really feel like I know what I'm doing. And then the person dies. So I was watching out big time. And so then I decided, well, with my extensive networks in the functional medicine world across the country, 
of course I'll find somebody. Of course I'll find a doctor, a nutritionist, a naturopath. I am going to find the expert for this dear person. So I was already coming to really like him just from our conversations. And I couldn't find anybody. And I spoke to functional medicine docs that were experts in Parkinson's, experts in MS or dementia, but they stayed within their lanes. And ALS was not something they, they really merged into. Not that they hadn't, even neurologists, of course, seen ALS patients, but they hadn't really taken it on. So I was left with, okay, there's really nobody out there. I can't believe it. Yeah. So I told this prospective patient, I'm just going to work on improving your cellular health, improving nutrient balances, working on detox, your liver health, your gut health, kidney health, um, working on inflammation, working on your immune system, and basically going through your body and trying to assess mitochondria um, uh, at a cellular level you know, what is going on with this person and how can I help this person be healthier? Mm. And so I just approached it that way. Um, I didn't, I didn't stress myself out with thinking I needed to cure ALS or know how to handle ALS, but I certainly can make someone healthier and I can, I can identify things. And so, well, so this, so Coco, this really started with one patient. Yeah. And, and from that, thank God, you've become, you know, an expert in really understanding um, diet um, mm -hmm. and how important it is for PALS. So what is, what is the current dietary and nutrition approach to ALS that most will hear from their doctors that now that you have more people, obviously more than one, you've, you help thousands of people now. So what is it that they're hearing from their doctors? Well, I wouldn't go into thousands. Well, maybe if people tell people, but I haven't had a thousand patients per se. Um, but what I do hear is, um, well, okay, what the standard industry standard of care for mm -hmm. diet and nutrition mm -hmm. is basically the same as it's always been. Um, you know, in 1998, the first standards were... Um, brought up. And basically, they weren't even in my book, they weren't standards, they were eat everything you can, it doesn't really matter what the food is, just get the calories in. And, okay. and here we are in 2022. And I have not seen a, um, a change in that. Um, no, except for among the functional, you know, speaking uh, community, medical community, but from the standard medical community, it's still the same. Well, in, on our webinar last night, we actually had people still asking, even though the talk really wasn't about food, we had people asking questions like, you know, are we, what are we supposed to consume? Should we be eating anything? There were still food questions out there. Mm -hmm. So, so, um, Coco, is there any special, well, I guess you take each person as uh, individual and but is there any kind of program that you that is a general program for for pals and they're yes pals? i mean if you want to get very very general so you're right Nathan, everybody is individual and people will ask me well what's your protocol for als you must have a great protocol and i just have to say uh, let me meet the person who happens to have als and then 
I figure it out from scratch. But are there, are there principles that are really important? Absolutely. I mean, so some of them might be, um, you know, in avoiding um, uh, conventional grains, um, gluten-containing grains, um, dairy products, um, conventional animal protein, you know, um, that's raised through, you know, big industry agriculture, um, avoiding conventional fats um, that are very damaged, like canola and soy and corn and um, typical margarine, and avoiding sugar by its many names and avoiding processed foods, you know, eating organically and, um, you know, having a plant-based diet um, that's containing fermented foods and fiber and probiotic rich foods and, um, you know, herbs and spices contain all of these beautiful compounds that give them their color and their, um, you know, taste um, that are phytochemicals that uh, can benefit as antioxidants and anti-inflammatory. So there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, general principles that, that are so important. Um, you know, uh, healthy fats, for example, are really, really important. But eating organic is probably, you've got to start with that. Mm -hmm. the, the folks it sounds, were, excuse me, you go right ahead. Well, no, it sounds like it's an ideal diet. For, and my brother actually, who passed away from ALS four years ago, um, he avoided sugar, gluten, processed foods, like a lot of the stuff that you're talking about. So it sounds like there definitely is an ideal diet to follow. And what is your reasoning behind why they should be, why people should be avoiding um, anything from the list you talked about, like conventional fats? Like what are some of the, is it inflammation is the reason to avoid dairy? What are, what are some of the thinking behind this or the science behind it? I would say inflammation would be at the root. Okay. Of it. Um, there are um, allergies that you need to consider. So that's for any individual because a person can be allergic to say even an organic apple or strawberry, you know what I mean? So you have to individualize it there. But um, one of the problems with the conventional products is you're dealing with a lot of pesticides, hormones, mm. antibiotics, additives, um, artificial colors and flavors. And um, so a lot of extra ingredients that the body has to process. It's tough on the gut, it's tough on the liver. Um, we weren't meant to recognize these chemicals, we don't. And so we have to detoxify them. Um, you know, when we eat healthy food, when we eat um, organic foods and we eat natural foods, well, our body recognizes all those chemical structures that are in those foods. It's, sure. we, are, we are what we eat mm -hmm. and we are those plants and those plants are us. And, um, and in terms of fats, well, fats are deodorized, they are bleached, they are chemically altered. So all those unhealthy fats um, that you know people buy often and use in cooking or it's in a lot of the processed foods. So what with ALS and for anybody who wants to be healthy, you don't want to be adding foods to the diet, but the body has to go to extra lengths to detoxify. Makes sense. 
That leads me into a question about folks who are on a feeding tube, because to get a decent um, nutrition through that, you have probably witnessed a lot of different uh, products. Is there something about a feeding tube formula that you would say has to be in there and where would you find it? So um, I, the, the very, okay, so let me just take you to something that's really powerful here. I never thought I'd see an ALS patient again after that first referral, right? I had never received a referral before then, never expected another one. Mm-hmm. Somebody found out about me and, <laughs> and um, all I did in this one consult, no charge, they were never an official patient. All I did was change their tube feeding. And this man was on um, uh, Ensure Plus, sometimes Jevity, you know, these commercial, um, horrible, <laughs> um, toxic tube feedings. Now he had diabetes and he's on metformin. He had fungal overgrowth hmm. and he had really bad digestive problems. All I did, I, I started with his wife and I said, you know what, before looking at anything else, let's just change the tube feeding. I introduced them to a company called Functional Formulas. Um, who I had met the, um, the, develop, the creator of that formula several years ago. And they went on a product called Liquid Hope. And back then they only had the original Liquid Hope. Now they have other versions of Liquid Hope. And he immediately started feeling better. And then she learned how to make her own tube feedings at home. Mm-hmm. And so she'd pre-make them and freeze them and then bring them out, you know, when it was time. And the person who taught her how to do that was the creator of Liquid Hope. And so then she could have more diversity in the diet because diversity is important. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's one way. And there are great resources if you want to make your own tube feeding. And I understand that's not going to work for everybody. It's shopping, it's cooking, it's storing, it's preparing. But if I'm allowed to give my favorite product, um, my favorite company would be Functional Formularies Liquid Hope. And I I quite often use Liquid Hope Peptide, that version. And then you can add to that. You know, if you want to juice some vegetables, you can add to that. You can add um, really healthy fats to it, um, various forms of coconut oil, um, and you can add if you need to, you know, your supplements can be added right into the tube and uh, a variety of things. So you can still really personalize a tube feeding. Um, My friend put a a cacao bar into his dad's Mm -hmm. uh, feeding, you know, ground it up and put it in the feeding tube every day. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's also, and you know, one of the things that I think is important, that I think is really important is that even if a person can't take in anything by mouth, you know, they can still smell, they can get the aroma of food. And, you know, if, even if you're cooking at home, if you take something you're cooking and you put it in that feeding tube, provided you blend it properly and it doesn't get clogged, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's a way of sharing a meal um, still. Beautiful. Do you know, after, after, they have that nutritious meal. Have you customized any supplement package for folks or that is an individual situation also? 
it's always individual because I have to use everything from, you know, history, symptoms, lab tests to determine what that person needs. So you don't just go and say, hey, here's 25 supplements that have been shown to help ALS, take them all. Mm-hmm. We don't do that. And I know a lot of people are on a lot of supplements, you know, mm-hmm. because um, they, people read about something or they hear about somebody else who thinks that that supplement really helped them. And, and I'm, you know, I just, that's the whole idea of like, when I see somebody is to, to customize that and um, personalize it. To, to what their needs are. And then you got to monitor if what you're giving them is appropriate, you know, and that's through lab tests. You look for symptom improvement, um, you know, resolution of issues because when we're treating ALS, you know, we're, we're treating the gut, we're treating the liver, we're treating the whole body. We're, we're not just treating this thing called ALS. Is, is there a time, you know, Coco, when people take supplements, they're, they're wishing that it's going to help them. Is, is there a time that people should give when they start on supplements? Is it a month or a couple of months before you should expect to see some help? It is, um, well, for certain supplements, if a person's truly deficient, you might see resolution quite quickly. Um, uh, someone, let's say someone's truly vitamin D deficient and you give them vitamin D or they're B vitamin deficient and you give them B vitamins, you'll usually see some, uh, symptomatic, uh, change, uh, faster, but mm-hmm. some supplements, it might be months before you really, because, you know, it's like turning, it's like turning around the Titanic. I mean, you know, you don't get ALS overnight. It is a um, gradual, uh, uh, problem that starts before a person's even aware that there's anything going on. And so you can't just come in with nutrition and expect overnight results or that something's not working because you've been on it for three months. And, you know, um, so there's, there's a lot of patients involved on the part of the patient and also on my part or for the clinician, it takes patience within us because we understand that this can take time. Coco, do you feel for somebody who does not have ALS and just a healthy individual, do you believe that a a good, healthy diet with proper supplements can help prevent getting a disease like ALS? And I also want to understand, there's also the Deanna protocol and the Walls protocol. And what, and I know you highlight this on your website and you even have us up there uh, as a link for people to look at. So thank you for that. Um, but I'm just curious if there's um, a different, a difference between the three um, different protocols or is it all relatively along the same lines? So, sorry, you that's a lot of questions. That. No, that, that, that's okay. Um, that is a, that is a huge topic. Um, so the Deanna protocol is a combination of diet and supplements. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's different aspects of the Deanna protocol that people sometimes pick and choose which parts they're going to do. Um, I don't have any direct experience with the Deanna protocol, mm-hmm. but I really respect um, Dr. Tadone and what he has done to research this and how he's helped his daughter. Mm-hmm. I just have never personally put somebody on the Deanna protocol, mm-hmm. but parts of what I do um, are kind of overlap mm-hmm. with parts of it. Yeah. 
And then um, as far as Dr. Terry Walls, well, she has different, the Walls protocol, you know, there's different phases of it. Mm-hmm. But I, I, uh, I think that that is a good, uh, until we have the ALS, you know, <laughs> book out there um, with the recipes and everything, I guide people towards her work. Um, and, um, and then people often ask about, you know, should I be vegan or not? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, should I be paleo? Um, should I be keto? There's, mm-hmm. there's a number of different um, mm-hmm. ways people look at it. And so again, that has to be really individualized because one of the things with food is that there's a lot of emotional attachment to food, how people have grown up, the foods that they love. And you don't want to take somebody and not consider, you know, how they feel about what they eat. Does that make sense? That because yes. you have to go gradually with people sometimes. Yeah. And, and it's such a different disease and it affects everybody differently and food affects us all differently. So it absolutely makes sense. There's no perfect um, playbook, right? No, it really isn't. Now, it, and, and the research on diet is really, really inadequate because a lot of the research that's looked at, should I eat high fat, low fat, high carbohydrate, low carbohydrate, should I, you know, eat more sugar, you know, high protein or not. Um, the research that's been done on that um, has not been in free living populations or even in people that eat. It's been done with, um, with tube feedings for the most part. And so they're using unhealthy formulas and then changing the fat, changing the protein or the carbohydrate, and then coming up with the results. And I think, um, you know, there's, there's an inherent problem with that. <laughs> yeah. So, and the very first question I asked, and I know I threw a lot at you was mm-hmm. if you're healthy, mm-hmm. do you think a good diet and good supplements Absolutely. could potentially help people oh. from getting diseases? And I, mean, I Yes, of course. Absolutely. And the thing is, I don't think we should be focused on just avoiding getting disease. How about being optimally healthy? I know. Like, you know, it's not just, I mean, health isn't the absence of disease. Yeah, absolutely. I I went on a very, very, very clean diet about four years ago. I dropped a ton of weight. Um, I mean, but it had nothing. I mean, no alcohol, no dairy, no caffeine, no sugar, no gluten, no soy, no. I mean, it was just no, no, no. (laughs) It was really hard uh, because I just, I wanted some fun incorporated. And I'm sure you can incorporate fun in a healthy way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. I just. I have a vegan diet and my diet is so simple. I can't believe that I can get by on that least amount of food because I just eat what I should, you know, you know, I just eat healthy, but little, just, um, you know, uh, avocado sandwich every day to get that fat and and that salad and that grain Mm -hmm. and that heel drink for, for breakfast. Oh yes. Yes. And it's (laughs) basically my diet. So I've, and you're doing okay. <laughs> well, I, I just want people to know that they don't have to eat so much food. Right. Yeah. Well, that's such a good point, McFinn, because if you eat highly nutrient dense food, yes, you don't even crave. Yeah. And you don't need as much. Yeah. 
and, you, and your appetite goes down. Your need to feel like you have to fill this empty spot isn't there. The higher the nutrient density, but you have to, you know, you, flavor herbs and spices and, and all of that. I mean, and, and the way it looks, it should look pretty mm -hmm. to you. Yeah. And real foods actually taste good. Absolutely. Real food, like, you know, a fruit, a vegetable from the ground, mm -hmm. lettuce, all these things that are natural, they, they taste good seasons. Yes. Yes. And so They're I think eating. part of the problem is people think, oh, if I'm going to eat healthy, it's going to be boring and bad. And maybe what happened to you, Lisa, I don't know, but maybe you didn't have like the greatest recipes to make it delicious. I'm, I'm sure that was it. I am. <laughs> I'm know? sure. And it's, a, and it is a little bit of work because you have to go to the store. You have to get fresh food. You have to get all, and it's expensive. You want to get organic. Um, you know, it, this takes time. It's easy to, and I didn't eat this way before, but I think why people get so looped in unhealthy things is they're convenient. You're working, you're busy, stick something in the microwave. I don't eat like that, but I know convenience is hard. You know, it's hard, but if you chop in advance, you prepare on a Sunday, you do all the cuttings. So when you go and saute, you've got stuff ready. I mean, there's a lot of tricks, I'm sure, to make things a lot easier. Oh, yes. Yeah. I have found that the, the pals, all the pals that I see, mm -hmm. virtually all of them have the adaptation to the diet that I want them to have has been pretty seamless. Yeah. Because they, by the time someone's deciding to see me, Mm -hmm. They are committed to do anything that they need to do to get better. Yeah. So I don't have to coach. I mean, coaching, of course, but not, I don't have to use behavior mod or anything to get people to, to change their diet. Everyone's just like, okay, let me know what I need yeah. to do and I'll do it. They're signed so, up. <laughs> right? They've signed up. Yeah. Coco, where did, where did you start this? Um, like, did you go to college for dietitian or what what kind of education brought you to this so I, I grew up in california i went to uc davis and got my bachelor's in dietetics and then a master's in public health nutrition and then i became later um, i did a lot of functional medicine training starting about 20 years ago and kind of left kind of the conventional world of dietetics which was my base and um and then you know i just been doing other certifications and constant continuing education. And then when it came to ALS, well, what happened, you guys, I just, I just decided um, there's too many people out there that are underserved. I was really shocked. Mm -hmm. And I even, you know, I was getting referrals now from, you know, neurologists and it's like, what me, you know, why? And, but what I did is I just buried myself into all the literature on ALS I could find that had to do with metabolism that had to do with um, the gut, the liver, the mitochondria, anything I could find about nutrients and ALS, it was scattered all over the literature. And I just started putting it together. So I published that chapter in, in 2020 um, on integrative and functional medicine and, mm -hmm. and, and ALS. And so that was really, um, I did it because I needed to be able to help my patients. And the yeah. way you really help people is you have to really learn it yourself. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I found out, you know, I'm sharing it with other clinicians and people are learning both patients are learning from that and clinicians are learning from that. All I want to do is just see this be a standard of care. 
Coco, you are you are such a great resource and so knowledgeable about food and nutrition and how it can help people. Um, I know you. I, I saw on your website that you're actually closed for taking on new patients because you're so booked. But the good news is, I hear that I read that you're going to be doing webinars, um, educating people, and sharing some of this information. Is that true? Yeah, I've done some already um, through um, healingals.org. Yes. And I will be doing a couple more um, in February. That's going to be on laboratory values, Um, you know, conventional laboratory values, actually, um, and uh, what to ask for and the, the amount of information that's in conventional labs, if you look at them through Mm -hmm. a functional medicine lens, Mm -hmm. what I mean by that is labs always have the range, you know, mm-hmm. either below the range, in the range, or above the range, and mm-hmm. below, above and below is like, okay, you're ill, something's wrong. But in a functional medicine lens, we look at those labs a little differently. First of all, the range isn't as wide, and we look at high normals and low normals, and we look at it relative to other labs who so are looking for patterns. The whole There's a lot of information, so I'm going to be talking about that because a lot of times when pals go to their doctor, I, it would be great if they could ask them for a particular set of labs. Sure. And then sure. beyond that are all the functional medicine labs that look at gut health and hormones and detox and all of that. I'm, I'm not talking about that yet. Yes. Okay. Well, that sounds fabulous. And that's going to be in February. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you were a little girl, did you dream mm-hmm. about, Hey, I want to be living in California, young girl. I want to be a dietitian. Obviously, you weren't thinking about ALS um, because most of us didn't know what it was when we were little. Um, Is is this something that you thought about doing or did this come later in life? I, as a little girl, lived in the moment and never thought about what I wanted to be when I grew up. I guess I wasn't really planning on growing up. And then when I um, was a teenager, that's when all of a sudden it's like, okay, I want to do something that has meaning and purpose. I really knew that. I had no idea what that would be. Mm. And I had a bunch of different majors when I started college and I was just flip-flopping. And then I decided, okay, I want to do something that helps people. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I work with people. So I I knew that. And, um, and I got into dietetics totally accidentally. I took this fascinating class as an elective Mm -hmm. on cultural food habits. And it went deep into all cultures around the world and what the symbolism is and what the foods mean and all the rituals around food and everything. This is really interesting. And, and, Mm -hmm. uh, and then I found out about this major called dietetics and Mm -hmm. I, just got into it that way. And my first interest truly was in the hospital. I really liked critical care. So I liked helping people that couldn't eat, people on tube feedings, intravenous nutrition. I guess I've always wanted to help people that aren't getting the care that they should be getting, like the real underserved. So there is that theme. And and you are doing that, (laughs) that's for sure. You hit a home run here with ALS. You have so many people in the stadium who I know you as an individual can only do so much. So the thought of you doing these little webinars is really smart, spreading yourself around the world Mm -hmm. and they're recorded. And that's the best Mm -hmm. part about it because people are ready for this information when they're ready. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just want to give people some practical ways to use the information mm-hmm. also. That people feel empowered to say, doctor, I'd like to have these labs or, um, you know, tell their family at home or their family, you know, shares, here's the foods you should be eating. Those are tangible. Yes. Very tangible. Yeah. And I'm sure there's so many great recipes. I need to get, <laughs> get go on your website and see what resources I can find to make, to, to make it more um, enjoyable and exciting uh, to eat healthy because I do eat healthy, but I could always do better. So, oh yeah. And my website would not be the, I mean, I haven't spent a lot of time on my website developing recipes. That is something I wish I could hire someone to help me do because I'm busy working with the patients. Yeah. That is something that's a goal is to have a, at least a cookbook, you know, that would follow the principles. Um, and they would not be, it wouldn't be a keto book. It wouldn't be a, Mm -hmm quote paleo book or and I I don't want to really type it as a diet book, you know, but um and and recipes that all would contain foods that could only be um nutritionally beneficial to someone with ALS, unless of course they're allergic to that food or there's sure. some other specific metabolic issue. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I think that we deserve it, you know, um in the ALS community. Yeah. Food food is our fuel. Mm-hmm. And if you get proper food, it's amazing how you do feel better and less hungry. You have more energy. You think clear. There is such a connection. So well, there's a route to health. And it basically starts with your mind and goes to your to your body and your food mm-hmm. and to your soul. And Coco, the combination of you and all of the rest of these people who are actually saying, it might be a mystery, but I'm available to search it out. Those are the people that really give hope and inspiration to the people who are in deep need of it. So please take care of yourself. And then you'll be available for a long time to help us all out. We really appreciate that you would come and spend your time with us today because this is an opportunity to spread your news around the world. Well, thank you, McFinn, and thank you, Lisa, so much. And the news that you spread around the world, we're all in this together. And all these organizations are are, um, synergistic Mm -hmm. in helping spread this and potentiating the, the positive messages. For sure. And it's so nice to meet wonderful people who are doing great work like you, Coco. So really appreciate you being here today to share your story. Thank you so much. Thank you. I would just like to say a little something to everyone. And that is, thanks for joining us in our journey of exploration and digging deep into the souls of those affected by ALS and those working tirelessly to help put an end to this devastating disease. Your stories and work matter so much to us and to so many. Keep sharing and continuing to help further the research in ALS so we do not have to see another person suffer.
Do you know anyone who suffers from ALS? Or are you a researcher, a neurologist, pharma or biotech company working in the ALS space? If so, we would love to hear from you. For more information, please visit us at everythingals.org or you can contact us at info at everythingals.org. Once again, Coco, what a pleasure to have you being, well, having us being on your team. Thank you so much. I'm so privileged uh, to be here today and to have this team working together. All right. Keep shining. Thank bye you. Bye. You too. <laughs> Thank bye you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.